Hey everybody, thank you for choosing the Richlands Tabernacle Podcast. Right here every Thursday you will hear two new sermons from the church that were delivered either by Pastor Horton or one of the other ministers from the church. We hope you enjoy. God bless. We're, uh, I would start to say a while ago, I called Brother Don Ingram and I told him I'm going down to preach a revival uh, just about 70 miles up the coast from Charleston, South Carolina. A friend of mine has a church down there, and I'm going down there and then go to a revival over in Georgia. Well, I got to looking at it, and I thought, well, that's quite a ways, you know. So I thought, well, stop over. And I called Brother Don Ingram and found out that he was going to be gone. So I thought, well, that's still quite a ways. When I get down here, i still got quite a ways to drive to get down there to South Carolina to start a revival. So I thought, I can't make it on Sunday night. I saw that. I thought, well, if I drive some ways farther, then I'll just you know, just have not quite so far to go. Monday, it's 565 miles down here, so I didn't want to try to drive the rest of it, you know. So I asked Brother Don Ingram, I said, well, I was thinking about stopping down around Gastonia, North Carolina, there where Brother Meekham is. And, uh, oh, yeah, I said, you can sit down, you can drive down there about three hours. Well, I forgot. That's Don Ingram. I've got a. <laughs> so I called Brother, In- Brother Meekham, and yeah, I'd be fine, you know. I, I really, my wife, she wanted to come down here, but she wanted Brother Ingram to preach. And when she found out he wasn't going to be here and I was going to preach, she said, you again, you know. <laughs> and so uh, I was trying to, you know, and I, I, I'm not really, I'm serious about this, I'm not really wanting to preach, but I like to go to church with people, and uh, I'd like to preach if the Lord help us, but I just trying to go to church with people. I thought, well, go down here and go on down there, and then we'd go down and start revival Monday night. And uh, so... Uh, then I found out after I hung up and I'd already talked to Brother Meekham, I looked on the map, and that's down through like this, through the mountains, and uh, it's over 200 miles. Yeah. So it's over 200 miles, and I've got to be down there by 6 o'clock tonight, so I'll do a quick work, cut it short in righteousness, and I'll be out of here. So, all right. I hope. Amen. All right. God bless you. I hope I said everything I need to say and didn't say anything I shouldn't have said. It is good to see Brother Jamie Burr and be with Brother Judd and all the rest of you here. I know I'll forget somebody, but uh, Brother Jamie, I told him the last time I heard him preach, what a great message he preached, and and I remembered his text, and that's unusual for me to remember something that many years ago, so you know it had to be good. And uh, I heard... Brother Judd, he's been doing great preaching. I heard him, and uh, you have great song leaders here, and a good bunch of people. You ought to be glad for what the Lord's done for you. You ought to have nice church, great congregation, great ministers, amen, singers. Uh, You know, with your kind of singing, I could spend a lot of time just enjoying that. You know what I mean? I, you know, I'm the kind of person, uh, somehow if it sings good, I don't really get enough of it. That little church up there at uh, Willow Springs, and everybody in there sung. I mean, they were good singers, too. They were just natural ability to sing. One night went to church, I just, we just kept singing and singing and singing, and 
Pretty soon I just got up, dismissed. My wife said, why didn't you preach? I said, they wasn't wanting to hear us preaching. They just wanted to sing. And I just wanted to hear singing, so we just had singing. Amen. When we got through singing and shouting, we just went home. So uh, you may have been, you may, by the time you get through here, you may say, why didn't you sing that? And maybe the Lord will come by. All right. Luke, the 19th chapter. Luke, the 19th chapter. All right, verse 37, 19 and 37. All right. I want to read a few verses there. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. I can't ever, I'll stop here just long enough saying I'll make comment about that, but I can't understand how a man knowing this city was the principal actor in his crucifixion, could sob over that bunch of people, but he did. And he's wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they're hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a tranche about thee, and compass thee around and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee, they shall not leave thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. God, in the name of Jesus, would you help us just for a little while. Stand by us, Lord, and anoint us, Lord, for this time, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. I have some more reading, but I'll be honest with you, I kind of did this too because I don't want you to stand forever, you know. But I want to read a little more, and, and I thank you for standing and honoring the Word. But I want to read just a little more. It's in Second Kings, if you want to turn with me, the 22nd chapter. And I'll, read, I'll be reading quite a bit, so this isn't the end of it, but this is our launching pad. All right. Second Kings, the 22nd chapter, and 15th verse. And she said to them, now this is, for Josiah had, they had been repairing the house of God and they'd found the book of the law. I think it was Deuteronomy. They found that in the house of the Lord. And uh, so they came and told the king. Well, the king gives it to the priests and the scribes and what have you. And uh, they take it to Huldah the prophetess. Now, why they took it to her, I don't know. Jeremiah was alive at that time. I believe uh, maybe Zephaniah. I can't remember. There's two or three other prophets that was alive, but they took it to a prophetess by the name of Huldah. And Huldah, the prophetess, uh, gives uh, her husband. And if you ever notice in the Bible, when you have a good prophetess, she always they always give her husband's name. When you got a bad prophetess, they don't give the husband's name. That's what it seems to me in the Bible. But anyway, that's a, that's not my message. So anyway... They, and she said to them, this is what she said to them, the priests and the scribes and whatever. 
Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you to me. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read. She knew who read it. And she also, I might also say that when the king read this, he was a good godly king, but he'd seen where he had missed so many things that he should have done, amen, that they should have been doing. He repented. He, he rent his clothes to realize that they so far off base, and even though he was a good man. But the word brought him place where he saw that the, the, the nation as a whole hadn't been living like they should. So anyway, said, uh, Because they have forsaken me and burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, As touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou humble hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and has rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers. Thou shalt be gathered unto thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. Now, the reason why I read that, you notice Jesus said here, if thou had known even in this, even thou at the least in this thy day, the things which belong to thy peace, but now they're hid from thine eyes. My thought is, when is enough enough? When does God say that's enough? You can't go. Now here I find the king, even though judgment was coming upon, and he couldn't stop the judgment, he did slow it down, and he did wait until that king had passed on to bring that judgment on the uh, people of Israel. In fact, and I won't go through it, but you remember after Josiah died, Jehoahaz, his son, was a king. And the king of Egypt came up, uh, overthrew him. Jehoiakim then took over, and that's when the Babylonians, I think, come in. And then they made Jehoiachin the king. And finally, Zedekiah became king, and he reigned about 11 years. So just a few years after that, a few years after that, that they uh, come to the place where the Bible says, Second Chronicles 36 and 16, but they mocked the messenger of God and despised his word and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy, no healing, no cure. That's it. And so they went into uh, captivity and the judgment of God fell on them. So here Jesus is speaking. If thou hadst known even thou the least thy day, this, this thy day, the things which belong in thy peace, but now... They're hid from thine eyes. Amen. So when is enough enough? Or where is the borderline? Now, this is on my heart. I hope I don't wear you out with it. I hope I have something to say that will be relevant to you. But 16 years ago, I was in Oklahoma. I was at Brother Aaron Brock's meeting, which is going on right now. And if I remember, it was a Sunday morning. I was praying. And we were facing an election. And we've, I felt like that we needed someone that would be on, on the side of the church and help the country. And I wasn't really praying about that. I was really praying. But all of a sudden, that came across my mind. And I felt like the Lord said, I will 
I'll show mercy one more time. I will have mercy one more time. And it's a matter of record. I'm not a prophet. I'm just a preacher. But I went to church that morning, and I told them there in Oklahoma there, Brother Aaron Brocks, that the Lord said, I will have mercy one more time. And I felt like that because he said that, I could predict the outcome of the, of the election, who it would be. It would be Mr. Bush. And so uh, it worked out that way. You remember, it didn't look good. It didn't look good, but it, uh, they, I had somebody to call me from different parts of the country. They said, Brother Charles, what do you think? And I said, I still stand with what I said. Well, the next time he come around, four years later, I was praying, and uh, I felt like the Lord said, I, don't understand. I didn't understand that. But he said, I will have mercy on him. Not on the nation, but on him. And so, again, I felt like he would be reelected. And I really believe if it hadn't been for the way things were, were manipulated in Florida that he wouldn't have been elected. I just don't, I'm just telling you that. But what I'm saying is because the fact that whenever I felt like I should come down here and preach, this was laid on my heart. Now they're hid from thine eyes. When is enough enough? You know, Amen. I like it better. I'd love to preach to you for him where Jacob and Esau met. And Esau told him, keep what you have. And said, I've, I have enough. You remember? The, and, and Jacob answered and said, the Lord has been gracious unto me. I've had enough. I have enough. And what Jacob said there was in the Hebrew, he said, I've got all things. I've got the Lord and everything else. Amen. You've got enough for you, but I've got all things. So he took, Esau took, because he had all things. I'd like to preach on that. But I just want to preach to you this morning the fact, amen, that we want it more, once more, we're at a crucial time during our election. We really are. It's crucial. Now, you do what you go to, Brother Lloyd Cheek. I like what he said. He's preaching. He said, well, he said, I, somebody said, I don't want to vote for either candidate, two parties. He said, well, I'm not voting for that. I'm voting for the platform that I like best of the two parties. Amen. And uh, one lady's praying down around Texarkana. They said she's praying, woman. And she said she's praying. The Lord told her, said, you know the man's supposed to be the head. I'm just telling that. I'm not politicking. I'm just saying what they said. You know what I'm saying. But we are facing a crucial election. And it's very, very, very dangerous time as far as I'm concerned. But I want to preach to you this morning on this and talk to you. you know, they said, now they're hid from thine eyes. They had rejected God's message. They'd rejected his word, his prophet. His priest, amen. They'd rejected everything. And he said, now they're hid from their eyes. I hope the Lord will help me. I don't know that I can do this, but I want to do the very best I can to talk to you this morning about the Bible tells they hid because they rejected the Lord. Now, there's a scripture in St. John's Gospel, and I'll just turn over there and read it to you right quickly, that says something I want you to hear. Amen. The Bible said, though he'd done many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled which spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed. Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes, and hardened their heart, and they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. Now Jesus is talking to those people that had rejected the Pharisees, the scribes, amen, the multitudes that had rejected him. He did have a multitude before him, but he's talking to those who rejected him. And the Bible said they, they could not understand their eyes, nor understand their heart, be converted, they should heal. Well, that sounds like that God did it, but God had not done it to them. They did it to themselves. For in the book of Matthew, the 13th chapter and the 30th verse, I'll read you something over there if I can turn to it quickly. The Bible says this in 1330. 
It says this, amen, if I, I, I'm 1315, I'm sorry. For the people's heart is waxed gross. Their eyes are dull of hearing, and their eyes, uh, their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes, have, they close, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with the heart and should be converted and I should heal them. So you see there that it was not God's fault. It's because of people that had rejected the Lord over and over again. You know, I remember, and I know that I'm not right on this probably, but I remember one time studying about on where Pharaoh's, the Bible said God hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's true, the Bible says that. But about five times before the Bible said God hardened his heart, God said I will harden his heart before that. But the Bible said Pharaoh hardened his heart, and 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 finally said, and God hardened his heart. And so the reason why these people couldn't see, the reason why they couldn't hear, because they chose not to. They chose not to. Amen. And you know, uh, when I, 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 I look at this and I'm thinking, you know, the thing that really brought it down was when Jesus came close to the cross. Amen. That brought things to a head. There comes a time when God says that's enough. Amen. Whenever Herod called John and did many things because of John, but when he finally killed John, he killed the last voice to speak to Herod. Amen. When Jesus was brought before Herod and Herod tried to get him and show him a miracle, and stuff, Jesus did nothing. He had nothing to say to them because of the fact God had used his man. He had crossed that borderline. Where it's at, I have no idea. And I don't know where America is this morning, but I'm simply telling you, amen, there comes a time when God says that that is enough. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't mean to be hard about that. I don't mean to be that at all. Amen. But you see, little things in the Bible, like the prophecy that was given in Luke, the second chapter, whenever Simeon came out there and saw Jesus, when they brought him be dedicated, the Bible said uh, that he said, Yea, talk to Mary, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Amen. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. Amen. He was showing what the hearts really felt about it. Why, what was really the problem with that? You know, there's something in the book of Mark, uh, over the 15th chapter, I believe it is, where, where, uh, uh, Jesus is brought before Pilate. And there's something there that we need to realize that it was said there. The Bible said, you know, he wanted to know they're supposed to release one man. They wanted Barabbas, that terrible murderer and that terrible criminal. Amen. They decide, you know, that he'd want to release somebody. Well, the priests have been working on them. The Bible said, Pilate answered them, saying, Will you not release some of you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. That tells you. The Bible says the hearts of many shall be revealed at the cross. Now, so, yes, Mary, you're going to suffer, but God's going to have a judgment, and there'll come a time and they'll stand before God, and they'll say it's not because of his miracles. It's not because they couldn't understand him. It wasn't because they misunderstood him. It was because they were envious, amen. You remember Paul would be having a great revival, and the Jews would come, and they'd be envious of him, and they'd turn things upside down. Envy, did you know envy is a terrible thing? Envy in anybody's heart. Amen. Uh, the brother's talking this morning about the spouse and uh, being your best friend. But I've seen times when spouses loved each other, but envy destroyed, jealousy and whatever destroyed them. I'm thinking of a woman that 
went to a church that I pastored, and she was a good woman, and her husband was an excellent man. Amen. And she loved it. She'd stand out of She always did prayer. Wouldn't take prayer requests. Remember my husband. Remember my husband. Remember my husband. Amen. Which is all right. I think it's a good thing to do. Amen. But then the time came when he prayed and started coming to church. But he was such a good friend, and everybody liked him so well. He was so outgoing, and, you know, everybody just hung on to him, you know. Amen. Until she got jealous. Amen. She would quarrel at him going home about the way he did this or the way he'd done that. She'd find fault with everything he did. And church would finally just drop out. And then we'd start all over again praying for him. Amen. Kind of getting prayed. I'm talking about envy, what it does. The Bible says jealousy is as cruel as a grave. Amen. And envious people, that this is what's wrong with these people. The miracles and everything else. Amen. If they could have been part of it, but they weren't part of it. And for that reason, they chose to turn against him and even have him crucified. And it's all because of envy. Huh? Amen. That's right. Amen. This woman, and, and you know, the sad thing about it is, this woman right now is helpless. She's helpless. She has no one. Amen. She's helpless. But every day her husband goes down and visits her. He feeds her like a baby. He takes care of her. Amen. She, uh, last time I was there, she didn't even recognize me. But you see, his love is the same. Amen. But her envy caused a great amount of problem to them in their home because of the fact that whenever he'd get prayed to, amen, he was so popular that she couldn't stand that, amen. And all of a sudden, she wasn't the uh, focus of the service, amen. All of a sudden, she's just another part. And that envy destroyed that. I want to tell you this morning, if you're a wife or a husband and you had envy in your heart, amen, you envy that person's uh, popularity, you envy that person's successfulness, you envy that person's ability, whatever it is, amen, that is not nothing but a reflection on you. Amen. The thing you need to realize God gave you that person because they, you need that type of person. Amen. I often tell my wife she's very critical to me but I say you're exactly what I need because if you weren't critical I wouldn't pray so much. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I'm talking to you how little things in the Bible. Isn't it amazing? You know, here's that prophet, prophet uh, this Simeon, and he says, The sword shall pierce us. The hearts of many may be revealed. Right there, just like that. And all of a sudden we see them. They are there, and they, he's there. Amen. And he's looking at them. They're looking at him. And they hate him simply because of the fact they envied what he was and what he was doing. They couldn't accept him as their Messiah. If he'd have come and overthrown the Roman government, if he'd have been a leader in that sense, they'd have been glad to march behind his drumbeat. But because of the fact, amen, he came and he healed the sick and the lame and, and sought out those that were uh, outcasts of society and loved them and was good to them, amen, and brought them in. Oh, they hated him for that. My friend, I want to tell you something. The Bible said, the Lord said that they would do that, and they did that. I'm trying to preach this morning the fact that came down, amen, when he said, now those things that could have been yours, they're hid from your eyes. You'll never see them. You'll never see them. I wish I could preach that. That's so. Amen. There's something I want to notice here. I, I hope I'm not getting ahead of myself, but I may be often do. But if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find out that Matthew and Mark and Luke and them, they, all, they kind of just put things together as though it happened all in one day. But if you go back and read others, you'll find out it happened different days. For instance, 
Amen. The Bible tells us that Jesus cleansed the temple. But the Bible also tells us that he came in, he came in riding on that ass, the colt, the foal of an ass. And that wasn't just a, that wasn't a lowly animal. That's what king's children rode on and kings rode on. You remember David's sons? They rode them. That was what kings rode. It was, he came as a king. That's the reason why they recognize him and recognize him as a successor of David's uh, kingship. And he was on the throne. He used to be, he was worthy of being placed on the throne of David. Amen. So he came in and the first day he walked in as a king and he looked around at the temple on the left. But the next day he came back, according to the Bible, the next day he came back and he cleansed that temple. He came as a high priest and he cleansed the temple. He changed the worship service and the lame came to him. And they had a wonderful service that day because the great high priest Melchizedek had come back to Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So they had a great service. And then the next day he came back and the Bible says here in the 20th chapter and it came to pass that on one of these days that next day as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel the chief priests and the scribes and came up only with the elders the great Sanhedrin the uh, political part of the religious body of, uh, of God even the one that came and had, they had judgeship and they came in and they said to him tell us by what authority dost thou these things who gave you this authority and he answered and said to him, I'll ask you one thing and you answer me Huh? Tell us. He said, tell me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or men? And they reasoned within themselves, saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say, why then believe ye him not? That was their problem. Their envy also made them liars. You see what I'm saying? Envious made them liars. And so he said, I'll ask you. The baptism of John was heaven. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, now, this is the last discussion, this bunch of people. And they read with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he'll say, Why then believe them not? But if we say of men, all the people will stone us. For they be persuaded that John was a prophet. And they answered, They could not tell which it was. And Jesus said unto them, Neither tell I you. Those things are hidden from your eyes. You'll never. That was his last discussion. And he refused to answer their question. Because they refuse to be honest. Amen. You know, we have to realize, we have to recognize him for who he is. That's all there is to it. And that's not my message. I'm trying to preach. I don't know what I'm trying to preach. I'm trying to preach on this thing about being hid from my eyes. The fact, where are we at in this election? Are we at a time when God possibly will do like Josiah, have mercy upon us enough, amen, to allow us to see our children and grandchildren uh, benefit from the work that's been done and from the gospel that's been preached and from the sacrifices that's been made? Will we have time for that? I really don't know. But I'm simply saying that there is a time when God says of a nation, that's all there is to it. That's it. No more. Amen. I hate to say that, but that's the way it is. I don't know that it's that way. But being the fact that the Lord did, and I, like I said, I'm not a prophet. I, I have to tell you this, and I, I know I'm taking too much time with doing it, but I have to tell you, years ago, amen, I was out in a little, I lived out in the country in Arkansas, and I was burning uh, 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 
uh, leaves. And those leaves are kind of wet, and I was having a hard time getting them burned. They're doing more smoking than leaving it, uh, than burning. They're doing more smoking. And so the leaves laid in a long path, and I was kind of burning them. And I was way down quite a ways from where it started to fire up there, raking, trying to get them burned. It's kind of a cool day. So it just wasn't a very good day for burning leaves, but I was doing the best I could. And all of a sudden, I saw a whirlwind start up on the other end there, a whirlwind. Well, you know, the Bible talks about God being in a whirlwind, and I'm looking at that, and that whirlwind starts to me. That smoke just starts coming down that leaf pipe now, just coming right down toward me. Oh, man, I thought, I'm going to be called to be a prophet. I just took my hat off. <laughs> he come right up to me and just died down. No, 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 I'm sorry. He come up to me and made an L that time. Went, made an L. So it went, scared me. I mean, it scared me. I said, I think about it. Put my hat on, went back to Reagan. Pretty soon it started again. Get a hat off. I want to be a prophet. And so here it started and it just died down. When it did, a little voice spoke to my mind and said, Abide in the calling where with your call. And I thought, is that Bible? I was so confused. I went to the house, hunted up in Romans, I read it, and I got down and I said, God, you didn't call me to be a prophet. You called me to be a preacher. And I remembered that. So I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but I am telling you that God, I felt like, spoke to me and told me, and I told it just like I felt like he told it. Amen. If you interpret it, you do the wrong thing. Amen. When he told me, I will have mercy one more time. I will have mercy on him. It worked out. But God hasn't said anything. But I wonder if he's trying to speak to me today in the word because this thing was laid on my heart days and days ago. I wrestled with it. I'd abandoned it. I say it won't work. I can't preach it. I don't know anything about it. And some of those times I'd say, Lord, there ain't a message in the Bible. I don't even see any message in there. But I come down here this morning to talk to you about this because I feel like it's necessary that I preach it this morning. Amen. That we have to realize there comes a time when God says enough is enough and when it does it rains on the just and the unjust and we suffer sometimes along with the unrighteous but we have to know that there's a God in heaven amen that hears and understands amen and so he came as a prophet and he came as a prophet and he preached the gospel to those that loved him and spoke to them the word of God and revealed things to them but when those others came those skeptics and those envious and those that hated him because of his popularity and because of the fact he was doing so much good those that came to him and father gets him amen he said i'll answer you i'll ask you a thing and then i'll answer you and if you don't answer me i'm not going in other words he said you're like you're like king herod your days are over i'm not talking to you anymore about this there's something in this that i really like i hope that you like it in this you remember he said i tell you that if these should hold their peace talk about his disciples the stones would immediately cry out. Now, he wasn't talking about just any stones. He wasn't talking about the rocks out there. He's talking about certain stones. You remember in the book of Matthew, 24th chapter, well, 23rd chapter, Jesus says something. The Bible says it's at the same time that he wept. That he wept. Matthew just records something he said. Old Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered my, thy children together, even the hen gathered their chickens under wings, and you would not. I remember Brother White years ago preaching on being perfect. 
God is perfect. God is perfect, friends. And I wrote down he's also perfect in his failures. If anything else could have been done, he would have done it. But you would not. He failed yet. He said, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Now think about that house. It's one of the most beautiful temples in the world. It's beautiful. It was richly garnished. It was beautiful. That's the reason why in that next chapter, Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to shew him the buildings of the temple. They said, look, Master, you're saying our house is going to be left desolate. Look at, look at the traffic that comes in here. Look how people are coming to it. Look how beautiful it is. They tell me when you went out on the hillside, amen, when the sun was setting, that variegated marble, amen, it looked like uh, a wheat field just waving in the wind, amen. The sun dancing off of those walls. It was beautiful, amen. And he said to them, amen, I see you not all these things, but I send you, there shall not be left here one stone of another shall not be thrown down. And you know the story about that, but let me just remind you. So when he said, I tell you, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry. He's talking about the stones of the temple. Talking about that. Notice, he said, they shall not, they shall not leave one stone upon another. He said that also in this 44th verse here. Now listen, amen, I feel like this is important to you to know. There came a day when the disciples were silent. And the stones cried. Forty years later, that's the number of probation in the Bible. They'd been on probation for 40 years. And there came a day when they cast up a trench. They built their earthworks. Amen. They starved those people to death in the temple in Jerusalem. Amen. They had a terrible time. And what lived went into captivity. And then you know the story, you've heard it told before, of how that the uh, Roman soldiers started a fire in the temple and the gold that was uh, adorned that temple began to melt and run down among those stones. And they literally took it apart stone by stone to get that gold. But let me tell you something. The Bible tells us, and these disciples took it to heart. Jesus said, And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out. Let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance. These be the days of vengeance. Amen. You remember in the book of St. Luke, the fourth chapter, Jesus read that book, you know, out of Isaiah, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me, and uh, you remember that, and how I said that, to preach the acceptable day of the year of the Lord, that same verse in Isaiah has, and the day of vengeance of our God, but Jesus didn't read that then. He read that, read that to them, and when they heard him, they said, it's not this Joseph's son. He wasn't Joseph's son. He was David's son. He was their Messiah. And when he did, when they said that, he turned and started taking, taking hard words against them. They tried to kill him because he knew who he was, but they refused to accept it. And said, these be the days of vengeance. Historians tell me, and I only have their word for it, when the Romans finally compassed around that city 
and there was no one able to go in or out. There was not one Christian inside the walls of Jerusalem. They'd all took it to heart, what he said about the encompassing. You may say, well, Brother Charles, that's future. It may be, but for them it's reality right then. And every Christian was gone. They were silent. There was no one worshiping. There was no one saying, Hosanna. There was no one saying anything. But if you'd been there, you'd have heard those stones as a fire licked against them. You'd have heard them stones, the heat that come to the place. They'd heat and burst and they the I don't know if you've ever been, we used to, in our country, throw them rocks in the fire. Certain ones, uh, uh, the liquid in them be enough moisture, would be enough that that flame would cause them. It sound like gunshots when they'd burst. And those temple walls was bursting and uh, flaming. And the wall, the beams were crashing. The Bible said in the book of Habakkuk, and I don't think I read that to you, but I need to. For the stone shall cry out of the wall, and the beam out of the temple shall answer it. Timber out, the beam out of the timber shall answer. That word shall cry out is a shriek. It's a call of distress. In the Hebrew, it means a sense of danger. It's a call directed toward God. Amen. Jesus said, and I want to go to it and I'll close with this, but it's a, a chapter, it's a book that we read many times. And I should have used it a long time ago. It's saying we, something we read different times. Amen. We have heard it quoted over and over again. You've heard it quoted many times where the Bible says, My people is called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Turn from the wicked ways. You know that. But listen. Amen. That is the only thing God said. The Bible said, If I shut up heaven, there be no rain. If I command locusts to devour the land. If I send a pestilence. That pestilence, if I understand it right, was punishment for the wickedness and for them abandoned God. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. What place? The temple of God. The one that Solomon built. This was the second temple, but the temple of God. He said, my eyes, uh, eyes shall be open. Mine ears shall attend the prayer that is made in this place. For I have chosen to sanctify this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. But the time came when they became so wicked, so ungodly, and they rejected the Son of God. They rejected their Messiah, their King, their Prophet, their High Priest. Amen. The time came after 40 years, amen, that the flames flicked into the heavens. Amen. The dark smoke rolled. Amen. The rocks crumbled and burst. Amen. From the very heat itself. Amen. There was not one sound saying, Hosanna. Amen. And God's eye looked upon that place and He said, My eye will be upon. My ear will be there. Amen. It was desolate. Behold, I said to you that your house is left and you desolate. I'm telling you, my friend, amen, a rejected of God and His Word and His prophets and His people, amen, is bring judgment on any nation. The righteous said, the Bible said, righteous and exalted of the nation, but sin is approach to any people. And then last, I think I'm true. Well, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I hate to be, I don't like to be like I am, but I want to be right with the Lord, don't you? Yeah. And last of all, he that being often approved, hardeneth next, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. 
If you look in your center column of your Bible, it has a reference column. That word there, that without remedy, will take you back where the Bible says, they mock the messenger of God, despise his word, misuse his prophet, until the wrath of the Lord rose against him and against his people, till there was no remedy, no healing. And I read it again. He that being often approved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. May I say to you here this morning, why is that in the job? If you're here and God's tried to talk to you, and you know that he has, it may be for some reason that you haven't listened. You know that he has. He's tried to talk to you, but you rejected God. You rejected his call. You rejected what he say. I want to tell you something. Where's your borderline? When will be the last day he'll try to talk to you? When will be the last day he'll try to help you? Amen. You know what the Bible said? David was uh, uh, talking there in the 19th chapter book of the uh, book of Psalms. Amen. He said, keep back also thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I shall be innocent. Then I shall be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. The greatest transgression, transgression looks like me presuming that God's going to continue. Have mercy, have mercy. There's a fellow came to a revival I preached years ago, and I prayed with him several nights in that revival. I talked to him outside. I never could seem to get him the place he needed to be. He told me this story. He was working in Kansas City, Missouri. He'd had many ups and downs, ins and outs. He'd get saved and give up. Get saved and give up. Instead of gotten back to the Lord and I was doing good, and one day he went by a bar. And, yeah, the devil said to him, Why don't you just stop in for a cool one? Or he thought of it. He thought, Oh, I better not. I, the Lord's been doing good to me. He's forgiven me. And he said, Something said to me, Well, he always has forgiven you. So he said, Oh, yeah, that's right. And he went in and he had fun. And then he had another. And when he came to me, he hadn't been able to find peace with God. He was several hundred miles from Kansas City, way out in the woods out there in the hills of Missouri. We prayed with him and prayed with him. But I'll tell you something. There is a borderline. I don't even like to preach about it because I've dealt with too many people thought they was lost and proved to them they, could be, they couldn't be saved, proved to them they could, and they did get saved. So I'm not here, but I'm here to tell you, amen, if you've been trifling on God, if you've been trifling on God, be careful about that. One thing about this man, one reason why that he was having trouble getting back to the Lord, his mind was leaving him. We, he talked to you a little while rationally, and then he'd drop off. Amen. He'd mess up his mind until he couldn't get a hold of God like he one time did. I'm talking to you this morning. I'm talking to someone here and telling you, you be careful because there is a borderline. There is a place. I had uncle taught his children, God will always let you get prayed to before you die lost. Amen. I attended the funeral of this beautiful daughter that's coming home and missed the curve and hit a tree, one tree out there that would have been destructive. The rest of them just brushed with a slow. But she hit that tree right just like she's aiming at it. It drove that motor in it, uh, in on her, and that car back in those days, 
it welded a can of beer right into the dash where she tried to stay that from coming in on her. She braced herself. I don't know. Did he get a chance? I don't know. I don't know. This boy was a truck driver. Come home. Amen. Going home and went to sleep in his pickup after he got off the truck. Hit a bridge embankment and fell out in the road. And a car ran over him and killed him while he was on his hands and knees. Didn't see him come around the curb and kill him. Did he get a chance to pray? I don't know. I'm simply saying, you be careful about that. Resuming on God. That's a keep back also thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright. And I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let's stand. Well, I wish I could preach as easy as Brother Darrell plays that guitar. makes it look easy but I can't do it that's all there is to it I've enjoyed the service good to be with you it's been a long time since I've been with you uh, I don't even know how many years ago it's been at least 10 or more time gets away I was looking at brother and sister Lee was it up here this morning they was talking about grandchildren and son-in-law and daughter-in-law and I thought they're not old enough to have those children, grandchildren, what have you. The Lees I knew was at Connorsville, and that was back in 1978, 79, along in there. So, you know, I just, you know, but now I probably wouldn't know any of them if I met them hardly. But uh, that's back when we, I pastored at Richmond Tabernacle in Richmond, Indiana, and I'd go down and go to Brother Steele's church and hear the Lees and the Isaacs and uh, the Bolins. Uh, I'm trying to thank Ernie and all the others. Man, we we had a time, didn't we? We had a time down there. I remember Brother Leon Butter to come up, and I was trying to, I was chairman of the board there at the camp meeting. I was trying to get Brother Leon up there as our night speaker. So I was taking him around different places, and we went down to Laurel and preach and he got through preaching I said let's go by uh, uh, Connorsville up there at 10th Street I said they're in revival oh he said it's so late I said they're just getting started they're just getting started I went up there and uh, they, they was going good and I can't even think of the name brother the brother's name but anyway Ernie, he'd, he'd grab you and run with you, and he'd turn loose from back and get somebody else, you know, and run with them. Well, there's no more there. He just got the Holy Ghost, hadn't there? He's a Baptist fellow, and he got the Holy Ghost. I mean, he was thrilled with it. Well, Ernie, Ernie ran, got, or grabbed him and run with him. Well, he didn't know. He wasn't Pentecostal, oldest, you know. He had his eyes closed. So when Ernie turned him loose, he just kept going. He went by us. I heard himself. I heard him wipe himself out on the wall back there when he hit it. And the brother come by, he's carrying the guitar. I can't even remember his name now, but he come by and he said, "Ernest, gonna have to be careful. He's gonna get one of these Baptist brothers killed, you know." And I, so it was, it was a, it was really. A, but we had a great time. I had a wonderful time. And I loved Brother Steele and all the folks down there. And I enjoyed them and enjoyed all their singing. It's good to be with you all. And uh, 
the, the Sunday school superintendent this morning, he kept calling off names, <coughs> sister so-and-so's class, sister so-and-so's class, sister so-and-so's class. And I sat there thinking, boy, I'm glad I'm macho. Did you ever try to teach to nine and 11-year-old men? You men did every year? Has any man ever taught a nine to 11-year-old class? I done that one time when I was pastoring. <laughs> Made me glad I was macho. You're that weaker, you know. I don't know what about the Bible where it says he'd be great among you, glad to be served at all. I don't even want to go there. But anyway, we appreciate you teachers, teaching the classes, and appreciate our Sunday school teacher this morning. And uh, I don't want to take a lot of time here just wasting your time. Because I don't know anything about this. I've pastored for over 50 years. And here I'm out running the roads and preaching. And uh, <clears throat> so I called Brother Don Ingram. I come down here. My wife loves Brother and Sister Ingram. They come by and seen us. We lost our son. They came by, made a special stop to see us. And we really, really appreciated that. And I thought about this. Uh, years ago when Brother Vince Wilson died, and most of you don't even remember him, but I knew him and heard him preach different times. And uh, we had the funeral at Richmond, Richlands, Tabernacle, I was preaching at camp meeting down there that year. <clears throat> Brother Gene Huff, he's senator from Kentucky, he spoke at that, and he said something I'll never forget. Brother Wilson was gone a lot, and his family felt like they'd been neglected somewhat, Brother Gene Huff got up and told how necessary Brother Wilson's ministry had been to our Pentecostal movement. And he thanked the family for sacrificing and allowing us to have him in our midst for different places. And uh, I'd like to thank you all for sacrificing and letting Brother Don Ingram come up just to see me and others, and share the big-heartedness that he has as a minister and a man of God. And he certainly has been a blessing in a lot of places, a lot of people. And he's a rare person. And I appreciate him and his family. And I appreciate you, the church, that has him as their pastor. I really do. God bless you. Glad to be here with uh, Sister Valentine. Appreciate her. Amen. We were their home preached for them here years and years ago and uh, stopped by just, and we known them though for years. And she said, we got acquainted with them when they was going to Barberville with Brother Collins. Sister Barnett, did you want? 